Oh man, I have to do another intro for this show. Well, that's all right. Welcome to the Arena Craft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. I am Cantankerous Arjuna, one of your hosts. Joining me today is fresh, spry, energetic, hopeful, never better, Covert Go Blue of the Young Elven Order of Cut Abs. How are you doing today, Covert Go Blue? Oh my God, man. Take forever. Why? <laughs> Why? Why are you still talking? There are new cards to talk about. And if we, if we start right now, dude, we might actually finish the freaking set in this episode. So will you stop with entertaining the people and start talking about the cardboard you know whenever i do the boring intro it's not good enough whenever i do the awesome intro it's too long i you know this is just death and taxes over here is what this is but fortunately fortunately for you listeners we do have an incredible amount of awesome content coming for you today and for the rest of the week so yes with almost no further ado we're going to jump back into our kaldheim constructed set review we're almost there we're almost done and for all of you listening at home and not watching on youtube i just wanted to point out again that the wonderful bottle brush games one of the listeners in our community has generously offered to bring up the card images in our youtube version of this show and so if you want the special enhanced version of the show you can just sidle on over to our YouTube channel. The link to that is in the show notes every week. At, or you can just search for it like a good old-fashioned Zoomer. And um, yeah, and you can follow along and get the deluxe version of the show. So thanks so much to Bottle Brush. I just want to keep, keep singing your praises as many times as we can. Go check them out. All right. So, CGB, I think now is the time where we can say without further ado... Let's read our next card. Priest of the Haunted Edge. And and CG, I, I just want for the record, CGV actually stopped me from skipping over this common. So <laughs> that says something about this card. So read it for us, CGV. Priest of the Haunted Edge is one and a black for an O-Force zombie cleric snow creature. And when you tap it, you sacrifice Priest of the Haunted Edge. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of snow lands you control. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. Why do you think? Why do you think I made us read this card? Uh, I'm actually genuinely curious. Okay, I'll go first. So, I was not enthusiastic about this card in basically any way until I sat down to build my Sultai Snow deck, specifically built around Jorn Snow and his staff, which can return things from the battlefield over and over if they are snow permanents. This is a snow permanent that can sacrifice to give minus X minus X to a creature where X is the number of snow lands you control. The deck is 100% snow lands. This is a removal spell every turn. Well, yeah. No, I guess you're right. So you sack it, then you return it, you cast it again, then next turn it's not summoning sick, you can do it again. Yep. Okay. And you can target it with a staff and bring it back the same turn. Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling that. This card definitely gets better if you can do it multiple times. Not good enough if it's just a one and done, right? I don't think so, yeah. although I would point out that it is a cleric, and in the cleric deck, you can 
gain four life when this enters the battlefield using the cleric angel that gains life. Mm, and when you sacrifice true. it, you can return a one-drop cleric to the battlefield using the aura uh, legendary 3-3 cleric that That's right. regurgitates. Yeah, this also buffs the other, the flying cleric that gets counters as well. Wait, you're talking about Torvarax? Yes, Tavarax. Tavarax. Tavarax? Yep. I, I combined it with Torbrand. Torbrax. Okay, that card <laughs> is so forgettable. Neither of us could get it. I think we can ignore that beautiful synergy a little bit. But you're right. It do, it would trigger you know, that man, card. You're sleeping on Korvald, the Fake Cursed King, for three mana. That's that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> Moving on. Blessing of Frost. Three in a green snow sorcery at red. Distribute X plus one plus one counters among any number of creatures you control, where X is the amount of snow spent to cast this spell. Then draw a card for each creature you control with power four or greater. So we've seen effects like this before, um, like camaraderie, I think was a little bit like this. This stuff tends to not be good enough for standard, so I'm coming down low on this card, but do you see scenarios in which this is like worth finding space for in your deck? I'm pretty high on this card. You like it? I I do. I like playing it in a obviously a deck where all your lands are snow, so probably something along the lines of mono green, but maybe green white with conclave mentor. Not as not as excited about that, but definitely one of one of the first decks I built was a mono green blessing of frost deck. And a few cards get me excited about it, and both of them cheat on mana, so that hopefully we can do busted stuff and play Blessing of Frost like the same turn we play a creature, and then use the buff effect to gas up our hand. The first is In Search of Greatness, which we talked about. So building a sweet In Search of Greatness curve to get a four drop down, but then also play Blessing of Frost the same turn and draw two or three cards while buffing the team is pretty sweet. I mean, especially if you do that with a questing beast, right? That wouldn't be bad. And then the other card with this is another one we just talked about, Jorn Snow, who can untap your lands and then let you play this afterwards. You do have to attack first. That's a little bit trickier. This is not an instant. It's a little bit tougher. But I'm also not convinced that just playing a good mono green curve with like a one drop, a two drop, a three drop, and then this isn't pretty awesome. I also built a mono green deck that has Vorinclex and Elves and this that I'm pretty excited to try as well. That can draw a crazy amount of cards and put an crazy a crazy amount of counters on a great number of things. And ultimate Tyvar Kel the turn you play it. So that that kind of stuff gets me excited. So I think that there's hope for Blessing of, the, of Frost. It's buffs and card draw, and it's on one card. So I'm optimistic. So you just really don't want your opponent to, like, kill you or whatever you were targeting with this while it's on the stack, right? Targeting? Uh, not how it works, right? Oh, I guess that's true, huh? So they don't actually get to know where you're going to put these until it resolves. Correct. Okay, so that does make it better. Yeah, it's more resilient against, like, spot removal if you have two or three creatures. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I missed that aspect of the card on the first read. It does make it a little better. This is a card I'm going to have to see to believe in. I also think that, what, you run, like, one of these in your deck? Maybe two? I'm not sure. I've got it I, I've got it cranked up to four in a few lists, but I've <laughs> got to say... going hard. 
I gotta say, I was more excited about this card before a certain spoiler hit late in the season that makes me think that turn four is too late to have three creatures in play. <laughs> okay, all right. So we, we will get to that card. I, I have a feeling I know what you're talking about. So next card I want to read. This card probably doesn't see play. I just wanted to point it out. Horizon Seeker, two and a green creature human warrior at three, two. It has boast, one and a green. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. So do I think that this is playable in standard? No. Do I think it's good to remember that this is in the standard card pool? Yes, I do. So that's kind of it. Do you have any thoughts, CGB? When uh, Gimli and Legolas finally gave in to their love for each other, this was the spawn because it's got a dwarf axe and a Legolas face. And somehow it turned out as a, as a human warrior. So <laughs> go figure. Maybe that's where humans came from. The Holy Union of elves okay i let's i i regret saying anything it's stuck in my head now move on <laughs> all right next card uh, read this one for us cdb tyrite sanctum is a land that is rare it taps for a colorless mana to tap target legendary creature becomes a god in addition to its other types put a plus one plus one counter on it for tap sacrifice tyrite sanctum Put an indestructible counter on target god. Wow. Is that the first time we've ever seen an indestructible counter in the game? Maybe. No, I'm, I'm sure it was in a commander card. Mm, got I'm it. 100%. Okay. It got done to me in a commander game recently. Got it. But I mean, indestructible counter is pretty gas. Having to sack a land and pay for a mana for it's a bit much. It, hard for me to imagine this card seeing play in standard. I'm just... Somebody's going to play it, and the whole time while they're activating it, they're going to be singing the Vertical Horizon You're a God song. I knew that there was some song that this was evocative of, but I didn't know what it was, mostly because I don't listen to, like, goatee music. Goatee music? (laughs) (laughs) Vertical Horizon? All right, all right. Moving on. Next card, Graven Law. Three blue blue, snow instant at rare. Scry X, where X is the amount of snow spent to cast this spell, then draw three cards. Uh, I'm going to put this one squarely in your court, Control Mage. Do you think Scry potentially infinite and then draw three cards is like worth a five mana instant? I'm not excited about this card in most of the Control decks I play because... I have other ways to draw cards. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird how good the card draw available is becoming, and I'm obsessed with Kazima, so that's not changing anytime soon, yeah. and I don't need a bunch more card draw effects. The one deck that I've got this in right now is the Sultai Jorn Snow Pile, because it does sound pretty sweet to add the mana to the mana pool with the trigger on the stack from attacking with the Jorn Snow mm, and then use it to scry point. and draw a bunch of cards. That's a good point. You could do this as soon as turn four. Yep, I've I've got it hidden into that deck, and I think that's a pretty good spot for it, whereas I don't think this is going to fit the typical deck or the typical control deck. I think that Demir and Esper and Blue-White, the, the, the old classics, at most might play one of this card and probably won't play any, and will play other card draw effects instead. Yeah, that was my feeling too. I feel like five mana draw threes no matter how much extra cool text that are on them, just seem like beyond constructed magic now to me. 
or at least just like you were saying, it's beyond the point where they're just kind of an auto include or like the top end card draw spell in your deck. So yeah, I I would give this card a miss unless you have a specific scenario for it. And this is like, at what point does Scry X become just kind of silly? <laughs> at what point do you just say like, whatever, man? No, I I don't know about that. Uh, it depends, right? Situation, deck. I, you can run more one ofs if you're a Graven lore deck and at, find them in the right moments. But at the same time, you have to pay five mana to get the chance, right? I see what you're saying, but eventually Scry does become silly. But you are talking to somebody who used a Woe Strider combo that actually created infinite tokens and Scryed through my whole deck twice during a combo turn. Okay, fair enough. I I definitely try not to make assumptions about you, CGB, because you usually end up proving me wrong. So <laughs> so there you go. All right, another one in the Tapland cycle here. Immersturm Skullcan is a land. It comes in tapped. It adds one black mana when you tap it. You can pay one black, red, red, tap, sack, sack this land. It deals three damage to target player. That player discards a card. Activate this ability only time, anytime you can cast a sorcery. This seems fairly unimpressive to me. Do you have any thoughts? Really? Yeah, this does not seem like the most desirable one in the cycle, for sure. I think it's the best one. Really? You like it? Why'd you like yeah, it? Yeah, be- because unlike every single other card, it says if you manage to deal 17 damage with your Rakdos deck, it says win the game for 5 mana. <laughs> I mean... Nothing else goes upstairs, and that is kind of what these aggressive decks try to do. I don't think it goes in mid-range or control, obviously. And But, I mean, my whole problem with this entire cycle of cards is that the value on them isn't very good relative to what you need to be doing in mid-range and control decks, which is where they're most likely to get used. This one, I mean, if you just have one or two in your deck and you draw it and you fire it off and it does the lethal points you're a pretty happy camper i mean i've been ramen up ruins before how about you uh i was gonna say but this is no ramen up ruins you're right it's three damage instead of two and a card here's the problem those raktos decks the curve pretty much always starts at one and so i just Mm. don't know how you're fitting this in i don't know it's really hard to play on curve with raktos anyway that hey because I'm just the saying mana one sucks, or two right i'm still not running four so <laughs> all right well we'll keep an eye out for this i see this as as slotting into like aspirational grixis decks and uh <laughs> we all now know how crazy. good those decks are <laughs> now you're crazy <laughs> okay uh read this next saga for us the blood sky massacre is one black red for a saga chapter one Create a 2-3 red demon berserker creature token with menace. Chapter 2. Whenever a berserker attacks this turn, you draw a card and lose one life. Chapter 3. Add red for each berserker you control. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. I feel like if black-red berserker is something you're interested in doing, if you have incentives to do that otherwise, this card seems like it could be quite good to me. Off the top of your head, do you think that there is enough support for Black Red Berserker? I have not been paying much attention. I remember that 3-1, what is it, Elf Berserker, right? That draws a card. So that's solid in the deck. But no, I can't think of other Berserkers. So 
Uh, I've I, I happen to have such a deck right in front of me. Very nice, very nice. So prepared, but uh, I mean, there is Dusk Wielder, which is the one black for one two boast. Okay, okay. <laughs> that like drains. Um, the Skemfall Avenger is the three one you mentioned. Here's here's the interesting one, and it's mostly because of chapter three. So Dragon Kim Berserker is the two two first strike that boasts for dragons. Mm, mm-hmm. So when you make mana on chapter three, if you can channel into that, you get to make dragons potentially, which I guess to me is the good stuff. But we literally just covered all the good berserkers. Okay. So that for I mean Eradicator Valkyrie is off curve for this. Maybe it's worth trying. Yeah. And that we, we weren't very impressed by that card. Okay, is Berserker like a common D&D class? Could that be showing up in the D&D set? I think it will have to for this to be a realistic thing because yeah. honestly, for the tribe, Blood Sky Massacre is the best payoff and Skemfall Avenger is okay. Mm, yeah. So for this card to be even played a little bit, the Berserkers have to get some work done. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I tried I tried to just make good curve berserker tribal. I was so disgusted by what I saw that it ended up being like it, it's a deck I took in a whole other direction where it's basically a boast theme deck. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say uh, that I I do like the case of you hopefully play two uh berserkers on turns one and two, and then you curve into this. And even if you play, you know, one Berserker on turn two and you curve into this, you're still giving yourself a decent shot at drawing at least one card off of the the second uh, chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not hard for me to see this being pretty decent. And the Menace helps your Berserker survive the combat as well. So, yes, yeah, I, I, you know, this card's not like... Yeah, I'm not like writing home to anyone about this card, but it does. I, I think basically what you were saying, this card does look worth it to me if the Berserkers are, are getting it done. Uh, Arjuna, tell me, honestly, when was the last time you grabbed a pen, a paper, a quill and some ink and wrote a letter back to the old country about a card? <laughs> I, I have to know. <laughs> I will have you know that I write my good old aunt, Queen Elizabeth... <laughs> the second <laughs> of England, a calligraphy letter every fortnight, which for you Americans means every other week, <laughs> with, with a good, strong cup of black English tea and my hand upon my heart with the Union Jack in front of me. So, yes. Well, we've settled that. On to our next card. <laughs> God save our queen. Oh, Nelly. Bergy, god of storytelling, two and a red legendary creature god. At rare, it is a 3-3. Three, three. So we have ourselves another 3-3-4-3. Three, three, three. Whenever you cast a spell, add one red mana. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Creatures you control compose twice during each of their turns, or each of your turns, rather than once. And I'll let CGB read the backside. The Harnfell Horn of Bounty is four and a red for a legendary artifact. It reads as follows. Discard a card. Colon. Exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. I, I read it that way on purpose. Yes. This is open-ended. Yes. 
To be honest, both sides of this card read as very powerful to me. Let's start with the the Harnfell, because we're talking about it. Yeah, I love the fact that you can just basically do this whenever you want, as many times as you care to discard a card. So that's a that's a very, very gas ability. That ability is like extremely gas, and I think that wizards knew that, and so they gave this card a pretty steep casting cost. Five mana for red is a bit yeah but this card also produces a red for every spell you cast this is another instance of these three mana gods yeah. that play incredibly well with the artifact on the backside. yep you really want both you really do yeah as well especially in this case i would say oh yeah 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 bergy definitely does as as we have said before play with herself very well let's and let's talk about that front side okay so whenever you cast a spell add red mana if you have never lived in a storm meta game, then you might not understand how powerful an effect like this can be. Now, I don't think that we're going to be storming off in standard anytime soon, but you know, it doesn't take much lightning to make a card like this incredibly good. So definitely we're happy to be playing this in decks with more cantrips. Does that, uh, what's that card? It's the uh, two and a red instant and you discard cards and draw cards. Uh, from Zendikar. Two and a red instant discard card. Valakut Awakening. Awakening, right? I could see a card like Valakut Awakening being very good in a Bergy deck. Any of your red card draw basically is a cool place to start with this card. Perhaps a combo enabler, but definitely like a draw a lot of your deck and do a lot of things on a turn and cast a bunch of spells. And, you know, as long as you're building your deck properly, you're giving yourself a good chance to win. So that's that's kind of, I think, what they were intending when they designed this card. I'm going to focus first on the Bergy side. So the ability to double boast, I think, is the thing that most people are going to completely write off as flavor text. But I would agree, yeah. It, it is, if, if you are generating mana through this thing, it's not a joke. The ability to maybe Dragonkin Berserker make two dragons is kind of exciting. And I would point out that Goldspan Dragon is a dragon that makes it cheaper to activate that boast ability that also generates mana, and you get a mana back for playing the dragon itself that doesn't leave as phases end. Like that, it generates... The mana goes off really fast. I think that people don't realize how much if this card survives. I also want to give a quick nod to the card Frostbite, not only because this plays with Frostbite, but because... I wrote off Frostbite very early in the set, and I have completely 180'd on that because of the three the three toughness gods. There are a like, lot I think, of them, right? Yep. Oh, I think they're that good. Yeah. And I think they need to get Frostbit. Yeah. Um, so I'm I've got my eye on that card. Have you seen the almost all one drops Song of Creation deck with this? Oh, okay. I've not looked at the deck list, but I have heard rumblings around that. And yes, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So with this card on the battlefield and then Song of Creation, every spell you play nets you one red mana and draws you two cards. If your deck is like 41 mana spells, shocks and hasty cards like Fervent Champion, Wayward Guide Beast, etc., you can just play all of it and swing for lethal all in one turn. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. That is pretty gas. And it's definitely, yeah, you do have to figure out with a card like this, you have to figure out how to stay gassed up. 
And so obviously Song of Creation does an excellent job of that. If you're not running an engine like that, you need to either yeah run cantrip spells or just do something to because you just need to keep those cards flowing to really benefit from Bergy. Oh yeah, and here's the engine. It really kicks in on the other side. Have you thought about the joy that would be Harnfell, Horn of Bounty, and Ox of Agonis? <laughs> That's pretty gas. That. That's right? pretty gas. Right? You just discard cards until you have enough to bring back the ox. Yeah. Then you play the ox and draw three more, which can exile up to six more cards. Yeah, and another nice thing is that any cards like the ox that force you to discard, you can be like, nope, <laughs> emptied my hand, bro. I'm just going to, you know, uh, you can just do a lot of tricky stuff like that. So... Yeah, I mean, both sides of this card just look extraordinarily powerful to me. You know, this is a good comparison to Song of Creation, right? We looked at that card, we said, yes, it's incredibly powerful. It has not as of yet made a splash in standard because we just haven't quite been able to put it together in a compelling way. So that's where I see this card. Like, this card does need the pieces to be a competitive deck. But, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I think the future is bright for Bergy God of Storytelling. I agree. I really agree. Adventurous brewers are just not going to be able to sleep until they've figured out how to break this card. Okay, Port of Carfell. Port of Carfell enters the battlefield tapped. It taps to add blue mana. You can pay three blue, black, black. Tap, sacrifice Port of Carfell. Mill four cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Powerful ability, man. It can be, yeah, um, really expensive. It is expensive. But you, it doesn't have to be a sorcery. This is one of, the, one of the ones that you can do on the opponent's end step or in combat if you need to. Yeah. This, I think, is one of the better ones, but I'm still not nearly as hyped about it because most of my control decks aren't going to run a lot of creatures. Sure. And I'm, it's just going to read seven mana and throw a land in the graveyard and throw four cards in the graveyard and get nothing. <laughs> yeah so it's not a it's it's not a great card to me i certainly don't disagree for sure but i do like it i'm gonna try it dream devourer is one black for an o3 demon cleric at rare each non-land card in your hand without foretell has foretell its foretell cost is equal to its mana cost reduced by two Whenever you foretell a card, Dream Devourer gets plus two, plus oh, until end of turn. I'm going to say what I have to say about this card. I spent a good amount of time staring at it and came out with just absolutely nothing I was enthusiastic <laughs> about doing with it. So I'm curious what you've got, because it's an interesting card, and I feel like I'm missing something. So hit me. What have you got? I, I do not have any great ideas for this card. I also... okay. My prediction is that some people are going to look at this card and think it has possibilities, and then they're going to eventually discover that it's a trap. That's kind of where I'm coming down on this card. I mean, it is a powerful ability. I think that you're not looking... The last line of text, I think, doesn't matter much for this card. The um, okay. the plus two, plus O. Oh. How often are you going to be foretelling? Not that often. And is that really a great use of your mana, just to like get in some damage? I suppose if you have like some wacky foretell control deck, you could like maybe use this as a finisher or something, but that, that just doesn't seem that plausible to me. So the real question is, what, what are we playing in the format which doesn't have foretell that we would like to be foretelling with? Can we play... I think we can, right? We can play Tybalt on turn 5 
if we foretold it with this card on turn three, right? I have no idea. I think we can. I actually don't judge. Can we can we like reduce the cost of the backside? I think yeah. so. But so if yeah. we can do that, that's kind of gas, right? Turn five Tybalt. Do we like? You know, that? Iron Craig feet does that too. <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna say, but that takes a card. But I mean, so does Dream Devourer. So <laughs> I I guess you got me. I think what bothers me most is the art. It looks like it should be a five five or a six six yeah. demon. It looks like so like, like such a good vicious badass. demon. And then you look at the stats. Oh three. What a wimp! You and a rune crab got in a fight and nobody won. Well. <laughs> Here's the deal, right? It doesn't need to be scary in real life because it's scary in your dreams. I think that that's the issue, right? Okay. I, <laughs> Something I, like that. I'm, this, I don't know. This is how it looks in your dreams. How it looks in real life is just like some cute little bunny rabbit or whatever. Okay, so yeah, what, what I want to do with this card is cast seven drops on turn five. That's what I want to do. I don't know if it's good enough, but that's what I want to do. If you can come up with some scenario where resolving your game-breaking spell is just like exponentially better a couple of turns early to where you're willing to like put multiple of this card in your deck and then take turn three or turn four foretelling or whatever. It should be noted it's not going to work on ultimatums because it only reduces it by two colorless. Exactly. Yep. I, you are just, man, you're always looking for the, the next Palladium Mirror. <laughs> guilty as charged guilty as charged however one thing i wanted i do want to say is that once you foretell a card with this it is foretold and it is coming in for two cheaper regardless of what happens to dream devourer correct i think so i think yes. so as well yeah i think so as well so that's a good thing to note about this once you've actually done the foretelling you're good to go yeah, I think that's all I really have to say about this card. It looks to me like we're ultimately not going to get like the Fortel payoff that we were wanting, like the the innkeeper of Fortel, as you've been saying. Mm -hmm. I don't imagine you building some kind of Demir deck or like Demir base deck with like four of this and four of the Flash Horse. I, I don't know, like you, a great many things would have to come together to make a deck like that worth playing. Maybe it just turns out that Putting Fortel on other random expensive spells in the format that don't currently have them is ends up being surprisingly powerful. Maybe. This is a zero of in, in Arjuna's crafting guide, for sure. Righteous Valkyrie, two and a white for an angel cleric, two four flyer. Whenever an angel or cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. As long as you have at least seven life more than your starting life total, Creatures you control get plus two, plus two. That's a payoff for your life gain, I will say. It sure is. Yeah. Everything gets plus two, plus two? That's a lot, dude. If uh, if y'all have never played against a card like Tempered Steel, the artifact version of this card, that ends game's quick status. And the other thing is that if you are if you are at the seven life more than your starting life total when you resolve this, then any creatures you have that aren't summoning sick basically get the you know it gets haste right. The effect gets haste. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Two extra damage on that combat, provided your deck's reliably hitting that that condition. This card is is a house. So you know, I guess the question is, how good is the shell? How good is the deck without this in it? For example, 
would you see fit to chuck a couple of these in your standard life gain deck that's already running like the the angel making cleric and heliod and stuff like that like do you think that this card slots straight into that deck or do you think you're probably crazy if you don't try yeah yeah i mean that's that's a great place to start with this card i think it could very easily fit into that deck however um i guess that first ability on it the uh angel or cleric etbs like that's asks you to to do some cool stuff as well could be like an incidental value on the card it has the kind it has the tribal payoff i don't think you have to be married to the tribe although you could as long as you're gaining enough life you just need seven more than your start you know if yeah. you if you can do that don't think that you have to run a hundred percent clerics and a hundred percent angels in my opinion uh, another thing to note again when you resolve this if you already meet the seven life more condition this comes in as a four six yep this is not other creatures you control this is just creatures you control (laughs) so i don't know cgb is is this the card which makes you interested in dusting off your life gain and and trying to get up to that 27 if you haven't been following standard best of one meta on ladder like so many have recently the most played deck right now at about 15 percent share became over the last two weeks mono white life gain Speaker of the Heavens life gain. Already trying to get to 27. The three drop is crowded. Are you going to run Skyclave Apparition? Are you going to run Heliod? Are you going to run Linden? Are you going to run Luris? Are you going to run Maul of the Skyclaves? You kind of want it all. It's true. Yeah, it's true. So You know what's funny, though? You could easily just think of this card as your four drop, couldn't you? If you want to. You know? Absolutely. Do you really have a lot of stuff higher on the curve that you want to play in that deck anyway? And maybe, okay, maybe you do just want to like run a lean land count, whatever. But I feel like it's worth running one or two extra lands in your deck and raising your curve a little bit if you have like these really badass payoffs like this card. I mean, I don't think you need to run many more lands to run this card. I'm on like 22, usually gets the job done in best of one. Yeah, You get to three pretty consistently and you don't need much more. Yeah. So I think we're both pretty high on this card. I think this card definitely deserves testing. And I mean, it's like I said before, it's just a hell of a payoff. We're going to see also if black-white clerics, if this drives that tribe. Um, there's a lot of support for angels. This curves right into the angel saga and legion angel and the angel-themed mythic sorcery. There's there's plenty to explore on both the cleric side and the angel side and in colors outside of just mono-white. So I think this, is, this card is going to have a home somewhere. I'm not sure which of those decks will be the best. But yeah. if I had to guess, I think mono-white's going to be very good. Yeah. And think about if you have this in play and you just make one of those 4-4 flying angel tokens, that's like make a Sarah angel gain for life. It's pretty gas, man. That's that's a nice chunk towards your 27. Gain, wait, gain, gain how much life? We're going we're gonna to get the plus 2, plus 2, and then we'll, well gain maybe. 6 life for yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, remember, you made the angel, right? So you're at 27. So you have the bonus. But I, I just mean in general, like, if you just have this out and you make one of those tokens, regardless of where it came from, you're going to gain at least four, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It seems seems like a good deal for a three-mana card, especially a two and a white. This isn't like one white-white, right? So, a lot of, lot of versatility. Yeah, good card. 
Okay, well, um, I'm going to step aside, CGB, and let you do the honors, because this next card, some are billing to be the most powerful card in the set. Legends have been written about it. Metal songs have been sung about this card. Goatees have been waxed about this card. CGB, what am I talking about? Doomscore. Doomscar. Three white, white sorcery. Destroy all creatures. But wait, there's more. Foretell one white, white. Boom. Boom. All right, so the, the real question is, are you like, you know, one of those sensible people who's like, damn, that's a powerful, versatile wrath? Or are you one of those hipsters who's like, eh, it's not as good as everyone thinks it is? <laughs> which which side of the equation do you come down, CGB? I, I'm, I'm on the, I don't know, I'm on the CGB side. I'm on the CGB, CGB doesn't side. take sides, he makes his own side. This this card is, this card is amazing. It's though. amazing. Oh my goodness, I it's love amazing. It. When they announced the foretell mechanic, I, I just had a little notepad and I wrote down what I thought would be in every single color. And with a few exceptions, like Mystic Reflection, I was pretty right, you yeah. know? Black's going to have a Doom Blade and a discard card. White's going to, I thought, would have like a life gain card or something. And man, was I wrong. Um, I did not write down that we would get a Foretell Wrath. I thought that was insane. And I still do. Because three mana, no drawback Wrath, unquote, you know, is, is insane. The idea that... You have to spend two mana the turn before to foretell it is the drawback is like, how is that a drawback? I, I spent two mana to save it in the future. Like I ramped, I ramped in my control deck. So I have heard some people say you can't afford to take turn two off in your control deck to foretell this. And I'm like, you actually can if you're getting wrath a turn early, my dude. <laughs> I have said, I have said something very close to it. And everything changed when this card was revealed. Yeah. Everything changed. Yeah, because, I mean, th this is worth taking a turn off for. I mean, especially, like, think about all of those scenarios where, yeah, turn four Wrath just wasn't good enough. And boy, would it have been worth it to be able to put this on Layaway so that you could cast it on turn three. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to say a few things about the Wrath because it, it goes further than this. One of the first things you learn if you're new to magic, new-ish to magic, you know, you're going along, you crafted your red deck or your green deck, your white deck, whatever it is, and you're just playing out your cards and you're starting to win some games because you've learned that the cards with the better stats do better. Usually they're rarer than the cards that are uncommon and common. And you just play out your creatures and attack and you win a handful of games, you lose some games, right? And then the first game comes where you play out four creatures and they all get blown up on turn four. Like, this is one of those crucial moments in Magic. It's like the life lesson. I didn't know they could do that. That's a feels bad. I, I don't want this to happen again. And you think about that every time from then on, and either you just keep playing into these and getting blown up, or you become a more sensible mage and you start pacing your threats and figuring out where to stick this and when to stick that. And... Just the feels bad alone of walking headfirst into a board wipe is so dramatically enhanced 
when your opponent plays a white source and any other color and foretells on turn two. And you look at your hand and it's like three creatures. Like, do you play them? Do you? It could be anything, but it could also be a doom scar. And so that that alone makes me really excited. That that right there. But there's I, there's another point I want to hit on, and then I'll throw it back to you. The the really good the experienced control mages playing against the experienced talented aggro mages. Both of them know how board wipes work. I'm gonna tap out for a board wipe. Then the aggro mage gets that one turn, that one crucial turn to stick a difficult to remove threat to stick a difficult to remove permanent to rebuild yeah to do the get thing a questing right beast down right whatever yep. your follow-up is yeah that's the real key turn it's not the whether or not the board wipe happens it's the turn after it what does the aggro mage do what do they resolve how do they handle this this situation and the key that I'm always trying to drag people into it, and this is why I love it when my opponents play around my wrath, even when I have it. I'm always trying to get to a situation where I can wrath and have a counter. I want to kill their, their board and their next turn. If I get out of that situation, I almost always win as the control player. This is three mana. I'm sure, CGB, that you're looking forward to that turn five where you can cast Doomscar, clear the board, and then just have Essence scatter up. That's yeah. just gas. Super gas. Or how about Saw It Coming? Yep, Saw It Coming. There you go. I mean, you would yeah. have foretold twice already in the game, but you could do that. You could do that. You sure can, because you foretell the first time. If, they don't, if they're like, oh, I'm going to play careful. I'm just going to keep right. two creatures on the board and play just around foretell it. Foretell again. Foretell again. Yep. And then the next turn, wipe them and counter their next thing. What are they going to do? That's what I love about this card is that this like this is really a case where Fortel makes your other Fortel cards better. A lot better. This is this is the Fortel Edgewall Innkeeper in a weird way because they if they play around it they're dead. And if you have it and they don't play around it, they're dead. It it's so good. So and here's the other thing. Let's say that your, you know, luck is on your side, you're a control mage and you're on the play. Your aggro opponent has precisely turn one to thought seize this or duress this out of your hand. If they don't, on your turn two, you foretell this card and now they will never touch it. You can cast it for the rest of the game and unless they have a counter spell, this spell resolves. So... Can, can you imagine if we had Teferi Time Rattler oh to play gosh. this at instant speed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. Well, which makes me think, like, I could easily see Teferi and Doomscar hanging out in uh, Pioneer. I think Pioneer yeah. is going to be love in that kind of a combo. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to call it right now. There are play patterns that are going to happen with this card that you've never seen in Magic before that are just going to blow your mind, and it's going to be fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Agreed. Yep, yep. Okay, so just a few things to note about this card. It is a worse top deck on precisely turn four when you need to wrath the board. So there's going to be like a small number of cases, but this does come up. You know, I know that you've done this before, CGB, where like you're playing your average Yorian deck and you're just like scrying like a mother fluffer trying to get to your board wipe, right? And when you top deck this like magic on turn four, you're not going to be able to cast it. So that sucks. That is like 
the one situation I can think of where you're really going to get punished hard for this. I think in most other situations, you're fine to either layer it away and cast it early or just pay an extra for it later in the game when you have the mana. I, I, I don't foresee that being like a massive drawback. But we do have to think about stuff like that. It's going to come up. You will lose games because you top deck Doomscar in a really awkward situation. I mean, I'm not gonna. <laughs> CGB won't, because he is a pro control mage. Another thing I love about this is that uh, it does not have the Shatter the Sky clause on it. So the whole, like, your opponent getting to draw a card thing, not gonna happen anymore. Yeah, we're off that. Yeah, We're done with that. No more free cards, aggro. You've got enough. Nope. This is, this is kind of... We're moving towards, like, welcome to historic standard mages. In historic, we get to cast Wraths for four mana or less that just kill everything and don't let your opponent draw cards. This card, oh baby. I, f like, I feel like we're going to be playing modern and standard with this card. That's how I feel. I feel like it's going to get mid-range here. Could be. Yeah, could be, for sure. But yeah, I mean, any way you cut it, Doomscar is just a very, very exciting card. Thumbs up, A+. I'm going to predict that this is just a like a far-off in your crafting guide. And there you go way down one black Wee. mana for a sorcery at common as an additional cost to cast the spell exile a creature card from your graveyard target creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn so the question i have is is this like a functional version of frostbite in your you know black deck not running red i don't think so I, I think if you are a deck that's going to have cards in the graveyard to use, you have other uses for those cards in the graveyard. Yep, I can see that. Especially since it's not any card, it has to be a creature card. I think it's a sideboard card. Against Kills a Rune Crab and a Thought Thief, yeah. I, I think if the card is free and you don't have any use for it in yep. your graveyard, or you don't want it there, then I think this card is very good. Yep, can be a very, very efficient answer in certain matchups. And, I mean, just if you're milling the ever-living heck out of yourself, then this could be gas. And, uh, yeah, that, that one mana for, like, three toughness worth of takedown, pretty good, I think. I don't think I'm ever going to run this in like my Croxa deck or my Ox of Aghanis deck because I want the cards for that reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I just run Eliminate, um, run Heartless Act. It's not that far off in black unless you're running into a lot of seasoned Hollow Blade. You know what I mean? One of the things that make this substantially worse against rogues is that it's sorcery speed. So sorcery speed removal fairly sucks against rogues it's so efficient that you can still play it without being embarrassed you're still probably trading up in the mana exchange if your opponent wants to counter it but like being able to just like tag that thought thief when it comes down at the end of your turn is pretty nice so you can't do that with this you just hate getting milled you're just scared of that that mill too from that thief man i i know the feeling i know where you're coming from i'm one of those people who's relieved when i see a ruined crab so for what it's worth. Uh, just kill your opponent. Just kill your opponent. Okay, next card. Orva the All Form. This one is a weird one. I got this. Three in a blue. Legendary creature, shapeshifter, mythic. Three, three. Changeling. It's a hill giant. Ugh. <laughs> Add to the a three, good old three vanilla parade, three, man. three. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, Create a token that's a copy of one or more of those, or no, one of those permanents. 
When a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this card, create a token that's a copy of target permanent. So yeah, you're, you're going to get your Kroxa opponent with this sometimes. Oh. It's going to feel fun. Oh, hi. Thanks for the Kroxa. I will ramp at the bare minimum. It, you can copy a land. I yeah. think that's something that people have to remember. That's pretty gas. I mean, that's the worst case. If you have a good two drop or three drop, you make something even better. Yeah. And it can be a token of target permanent. It can be the opponent's thing. If they, if they attack you with your Croxa, you can discard this and make a Croxa. Yeah, you can copy their Croxa, block it with the Croxa if you want. Oh my gosh, that is gas. But the question is, like, are we in for the rest of this card, right? Because clearly you don't run this in your deck just on the off chance that your opponent's playing discard. Sideboard, I guess. So it has Changeling, uh, which... I don't know. That could be relevant, but like, yeah, a three-three for four, like a hill giant with changeling, definitely not that great. So let's talk about the scenarios when you are targeting one or more other permanents you control. You are of the realm of the limited magicians. What if you play combat tricks? Defiant strike. Draw a card. Copy the thing that you targeted with the defiant strike. Yeah. That's how about gold span dragon? You okay, I'm in sacrifice the, the treasure. Yeah. yeah, you play this, and then the next turn you play dragon. You attack with the dragon, you make a treasure, you sacrifice the treasure, you cast defiant strike, targeting your gold span dragon, making a second gold span dragon, and making another treasure. Now you can sacrifice both treasures for three mana and cast something epic. <laughs> do yeah, it again or just I, yeah I, just mm -hmm. copy your dragon again i mean doesn't this play pretty well in like your um what's the two mana dragon that grows when you target it oh no when you cast an instant or sorcery sprite dragon sprite dragon yeah, whenever right? you cast a non-creature spell it gets a plus one plus one so this runner. goes like decently into your little sprite dragon you know like kill him in one or two turns kind of a deck i would, I would i'm think. feeling a a dragon theme deck since this is a changeling too there so we're just go. gonna watch for all the dragon cards dragon i believe yeah yeah there's that two two first strike boast that for each dragon you control the boast is cheaper right and it makes yep. dragons makes dragons so we could start getting some support behind that i dig it Ooh, um maybe. now stormwing entity is not a dragon though is it no <laughs> i i still think it's decent in the deck though it's interesting. Yeah. We already talked about that Stormwing Entity deck that played the card that doubles your power. Yep. Yep. Could be could be hype. Yeah, could be could be gas. I don't know. This this card doesn't read to me as like an instantly playable card, but there is a lot of compelling text on it. What if you just play it fair? What if you just have a bunch of frostbites and bone crusher giants in your deck and you play other creatures? And you can just target the opponent's creatures if you're behind, or you play this and target your creature if you're ahead and make a copy of the creature. So we just, let's, let's invert the play pattern. Let's spend the first few turns of the game dealing with our opponent's stuff. Then we play the gold span dragon, we attack, we make a treasure. The opponent tries to kill it, we sack our treasure, we cast a negate, we untap. We play Orvar the All Form. We frostbite our own dragon, making a copy of Goldspan Dragon. We attack with both dragons, making two treasures. And if we have a like a Bone Crusher Giant for a stomp or something like that, we can target our own dragon to make another dragon. Not the worst thing. Yeah, it's not the that's, worst thing. That's you've pretty ever done. crazy. Yeah. Okay, how about we target our own Terror of the Peaks? I do like Terror of the Peaks. Yep, that's pretty gas. 
<laughs> I'm feeling that. Every copy does like five damage to something, yeah. And, and then we make like three copies somehow. Forget it. It's easy. Uh, love it. Some Somehow I'm going to try to Shanghai Magda into that deck, because why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Well, I don't know. This this card reads as like not playable on day one to me, but there's definitely nonsense you can get up to with it. I, I feel like I've only really thought about the Izet combination, and there's yeah. probably something else that is... Let us know in the comments. What are you going to do with this? Yeah, I wonder if you could do some kind of like Simic, Simic nonsensey deck. Um, it, it doesn't Simic seems like a changeling color combo anyway. So, oh, this was the other thing I thought of with the deck. So how about Orvar the Life, the all form, and then you play like a foretold battle mammoth or an, or an elder Gargaroth and you play Primal Might on it. Primal Might's gas, dude. That's that's what I'm saying, right? Green? Because green has a number of different effects where you're like happily targeting your own creatures. It even has some good instant speed effects to like, okay, imagine this. So you have your your Orvar down, you have like any other random green creature down. And it's your opponent's turn and they attack you. And you go ram through, kill one of your opponent's attackers, create a token which is a copy of one of your blockers and you basically win the game on the spot when you do that i believe just make sure it's not legendary like don't do this with questing beast. that's a good yeah a Yorvo, don't legend right? rule your thing yeah yep that's a good point but i do like that because green does specifically run like standard playable cards that target your own creatures that are very gas so yeah i don't know still uh you know be be careful with your mythic wild cards listeners but Ova is pretty sweet all right uh we have another saga the three seasons it's uh it's an inn it's an inn or a hotel it's it's a slightly slightly more budget version than, than <laughs> <Exactly>. the other <laughs> you thought you had four seasons but if you're looking to save a dime you can settle for three <laughs> nobody likes winter when you're fresh off the boat to Kaldheim, you check into the three seasons. So this, uh, and this is priced to move. This costs a green and a blue for an enchantment saga at uncommon. First chapter, mill three cards. Second chapter, return up to two target snow permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. Chapter three, choose three cards in each graveyard. Their owners shuffle those cards into their libraries. This reminds me a little bit of was it Binding of the Titans? Yes. Yeah. This this hits somewhat similarly to that card. Uh don't like that card really didn't see any play in standard, and I don't immediately think about this card seeing play in standard again. However, that only returned one card to your hand. This returns two cards to your hand. Snow permanence, not cards. Yeah, snow, snow permanence. Snow permanent. I mean, I, I'm assuming that, you know, you're putting this in your deck full of snow nonsense, right? Even that deck, how the hell are you going to... Like, it's hard to get two-thirds of your cards to be snow permanence. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. This isn't a snow permanent. No. You're going to put this in your deck. It automatically deludes the chance you get two cards out of the deal. You know, honestly, I'm struggling to think about whether I would play this card in limited. And I'm certainly not (laughs) seeing any good shells for it in standard. So I I think you met the quota of reading the saga. Yes. You did it. Okay. We can move on and I'll toss you a fancy mythic to read for our listeners, CGB. 
Resplendent Marshal is one white white angel warrior 3-3 flyer. When it enters the battlefield or dies, you may exile another creature card from your graveyard. When you do, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control other than Resplendent Marshal that shares a creature type with the exiled card. What do you think? So the joke is like, we play this in our angel deck to buff our other angels when we play it and when it dies. Seems like a fairly common pattern, although it is a warrior. So I suppose if we have some kind of warrior deck, we do this. I'm trying to remember that that uh, Savannah Lion that has the boast and makes creatures of those warriors. It's a spirit warrior and it makes a human warrior, I think. Yeah. So if we have some kind of like go wide warrior deck, they've already had this pattern before. We saw it with cards like Avacyn where it's kind of like uh, a weenie humans deck or like a weenie warriors deck with a few angels to kind of, you know, protect everyone and give you a little top end and do some fancier stuff. The, the card you were thinking of is Usher of the Fallen. Okay, and, and it makes human warriors? It is a spirit warrior that boasts for one and a white to make a 1-1 one, one white human warrior. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we have some kind of a deck like that, that's trying to go wide and we're also playing the uh two mana enchantment that gives plus one plus one to a creature type you know i could i could see us putting a card like this into the deck as a top end you know having said that like it doesn't immediately jump out at me as being that amazing your your three mana three three is your top end yeah in an aggro deck yeah Okay, all right. You're really you're really down there. Um, I'm thinking more along the lines of my warrior deck tops out at Winota. Okay, sure, <laughs> sure. So the hard part is that something has to be in the graveyard. Yeah, exactly. Let's pause skepticism for a minute and assume that we make this happen. Isn't this like the greatest glorious anthem? <laughs> it's isn't it? It's pretty glorious. It's, it's, it's pretty okay. awesome. Is this better or worse than Banalish Marshall? Yes, I think. You think so? I think it is. Yeah, because the counters stick around. Banalish Marshall came down, added that bonus, and you always tried to play it when the opponent was tapped out so you could get the attack before the thing died because it's a freaking lightning rod. Yeah. It, and this has evasion as well. Like, it's an okay body on its own. However, Banalish Marshall worked every time. That's right. So that's where we have to figure out, like, what are we doing? I like the warrior's idea, but I'm not married to it. Because remember, this doesn't buff itself, and it can't exile itself. So you can run this in a tribal deck where this is the only angel warrior, and you can just be on a different tribe. I, th yeah. I think that is something you should remember about the card. Don't lock yourself into angel warrior. But I like warriors because seasoned hollow blade can just chuck a, a can just chuck something in the yard for you yeah that's on true. turn two and it yeah. is itself a warrior so it gets buffed yep and uh we all know how good that card gets when it has any additional help i believe there's also it's either a berserker i think it's a berserker that rummages you know enters the battlefield you can mm. discard a card to draw a card mm -hmm. in red for two mana mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of interesting if there's more of that effect that i'm not thinking of that would be nice yeah just find a way to get your rummage on yeah it's it really is unfortunate that this card is just fighting for the three drop slot like so i mean they're just wizards is just freaking pumping out the three drops these days 
I mean, and, and, you know, the problem is they give us these doozies like Skyclave Apparition that we just really don't want to cut from our deck, right? So I think that that's, that's one of the main issues with a card like this is just fighting in a pretty crowded three drop slot. Hmm. That's a spirit, right? I guess it is a spirit. Yep. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, that's a creature they really want to kill. Yeah, so I, I'm like a medium on this card. The curve is challenging, especially if your opponent expects this to be coming down. That they're, they're probably gonna like hold off on their bone crushing until you know your turn three or something like that, right? If they expect it, I yeah. mean, does this have to be a turn three play? Because like doesn't. I said, you held the Benelish Marshal pretty often. It doesn't to pump the squad at the right time. Okay, here's another thing I like. Um, if you're running this with like the the good doggos, right, or the Alcid of Life's Bounty. That's like worst comes to worst. You just have something to sack. If you exile the dog, you better have a dog deck. <laughs> uh, and with bounty, it has to be a, a nymph, right? So I don't think that's going to work for maybe you. Maybe not. I think you have to be off those cards for this card to be good. Yeah, maybe not. How about in your gods deck? Just buff all your gods. That's what gods needed. You solved it. <laughs> we- gods, gods don't have stats. Six six for three. Forget about it. Yeah, we'll just put we this. More. We'll put this one white white card in our five color gods deck. I guess. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm like medium on this card. I'm. I'm How get- about rogues? Uh, rogues. There you go. <laughs> I'm just gonna play Esper rogues. <laughs> I mean, we did get a pathway, so there you go. How about against rogues? When rogues mills you, this card looks pretty That's sexy. That's pretty gas. That's pretty gas. Yeah, and it it, it blocks the uh, thought thief fairly well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, meh, meh, eh. Part of it is I just, I don't feel like the kinds of decks that this card is really good in seem to be very supported at the moment. I'd be more excited about this if I felt like we had a really viable white weenie archetype, and I still don't see it, so. What? White's really good right now. Yeah, but like a go wide, like a deck that would actually want this, not really supported, oh, okay. right? We'll see. I don't think so. I, I, there is a certain three-mana wrath that makes the card a little funny. <laughs> That's true. Could, I, I can't think about what it is now, but maybe we'll find it. How about the Great Hall of Starnheim? So this ETB's tapped. Taps for a black. Pay white, white, black. Sacrifice Great Hall of Starnheim and, and a creature you control. Create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. Activate this ability only anytime. You could cast a sorcery. So this one's priced to move. You know, I mean, you kind of know what deck you want to put this in, and it's a deck that's probably making tokens and and nonsense. We're having enough trouble saying, like, let's spend four mana to make a 4-4 Vigilant Angel. Now let's stone raid ourselves while we do it. (laughs) Yeah, it is hard. It's hard. This is a card where, like, I would much rather just play, like, uh, Amiria's Call, right? than this card why is it a sorcery it would be sweet as an instant it would add another dimension to these otherwise tap out decks that really need a way to play around i don't know doomscald yep i i do agree with you i do agree with you close to greatness king narfi's betrayal is a saga it's one and a blue and a black enchantment chapter one each player mills four cards then you may exile a creature or planeswalker card from each graveyard Chapter 2 and 3 are the same. Until the end of turn, you may cast spells from among cards exiled with King Narfi's Betrayal, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. 
Do you think I like this card? Do I think that you like this card? Uh, in Commander, I think you like this card. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, this, yeah. This card's priced to move in Commander, that's for sure. Um, standard, I think, I think that my evaluation of the card is coloring whether I think that you like it or not. Well, why don't you tell me about you? What, what do you think? I'm a skeptic. Why? I just, when it misses, it sucks. You mean when both players whiff and don't hit a creature or a planeswalker and there are no creatures and no planeswalkers in the graveyard from before that either? Is that what you mean by whiff? Yes, that's what I mean. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, okay, I hate it for another reason. Oh, okay. So the the whiffing is not why you dislike it? No. Interesting. No. Okay. Uh, I hate it because if it gets removed by a Skyclave Apparition or a Gem Razor, oh, chapters two just, and three never happen. You just get nothing. Yeah. You just get nothing. That's also a good point. Here's the problem with this card. The best case scenario for this card is that you drew two very good cards that you could then cast. So this is like a three mana slow draw two. Yep, you have to wait till the next turn at least before you can cast any of the things you exile. So if you have like eight mana, you can't play a five drop right after you drop this. Yeah, so in order for this card to be good, you have to hit two cards. They both have to be gas and they both have to be relevant for the, the situation that you're in, which to me is like when the top end of a card like this it's just so situational. I just, uh, I'm not feeling it at all. Yeah, strong agree. I'm off it. Yep, off it. Haunting Voyage. Four black, black. Sorcery at Mythic. Choose a creature type. Return up to two creature cards of that type from your graveyard to the battlefield. If this spell was foretold, return all creature cards of that type from your graveyard to the battlefield instead. And this, the Fortel cost is actually more expensive. It is five black black. So this is actually the first card I think, I know, I guess this, the uh, Starnheim Angel one was another one where it gives you like extra options when you Fortel it, which is cool. I actually wish that they'd played with that design space a little more. It seems like they've been fairly temperate with it. It's their first try. Maybe they'll break it next time. Right. So this is this is my question. Is this the next Command the Dreadhorde? Yes. Is it is it the next Command the Dreadhorde? Kind of. It's a tribal Command the Dreadhorde. Yeah. It, it, it it's pretty nasty when Agadim's Awakening brings back three rogues. Imagine if it brought back all of them and just milled you out in one shot. <laughs> I guess. Does that sound nice? You like I that? Guess. You like that? You're not well, impressed. Well, it, it's funny, though. I mean, you're mentioning Agadim's Awakening. It just makes this card seem so much worse to me. Agadim's is a really good card. This this needs you to go a lot harder to be good. For the same price as this, like, okay, so if you cast Agadim's Awakening for, X, you know, for the, the total CMC of seven mana in your rogues deck, you're probably going to get at least three rogues, and maybe you even get, uh, maybe you don't get four rogues. But it's like, you get most of this for the same price anyway. You get a chunk. So I, I do wonder how much more you expect to get. Maybe if we're just yeah. like casting King Narfi's betrayals left and right and just filling our graveyard, then this is kind of a essentially a game over. My prediction is that there are better things to do um, with mana, with card space, that this isn't going to make the cut. But it's also my prediction that every single person listening to this and you and me are going to die 
horribly yeah. to a dramatic one of these at least once in the next season. Yeah, I I could buy that. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing, though. I just want to remind our listeners that to get the full effects of this card, you have to spend a total of nine mana on it out throughout the course of the game. That is a lot of freaking mana to cast on this card. I love the public service remind the listeners thing. It's like you're doing you're doing a good deed. You're the FDA. You're letting everybody know that they need to eat their fruits and vegetables. And that warning, this has nine mana. Guys, warning. Think about it. I'm I'm looking out for our listeners' mythic wild cards, man. You you work hard for those mythics, you know. You do get you do get sensitive when it's a mythic. I just I just hate to see it. I hate to see the hopeful mage who reads this card and just you know they're like, oh, this is what my elves deck needed, right? And yeah, then they're then, just then... crying into their wheaties the next morning. And then over here is Covert go brr and I don't care about your budget and I just put out a different deck every day and a lot of them have like four of mythics that shouldn't even be in the deck in the first place and people like craft all and no! Oh my god, yeah. I'm sure you've been responsible for so many wasted wildcard CGB. Oh my goodness. Fortunately, not as many as Saffron Olive, so you have that going for you. I I absolutely resent the term wasted. If they don't have fun, it's on them. Because what good is money if you're not having fun? <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by, my friend. Runeforge Champion is two and a white for a 2-3 Dwarf Warrior at rare. And when Runeforge Champion enters the battlefield, you may search your library and or graveyard for a rune card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. You may pay one colorless rather than pay the mana cost for rune spells you cast. And the rune spells are enchantments. They're one colored and one generic each of each of the five colors. They all draw a card when they enter the battlefield. They all give plus one plus one and some thematic ability with the color. I bet you could guess them. Green is trample, for example. Black is death touch. And they can all also, for whatever reason, enchant a vehicle and make it so that the... Or not a vehicle. Enchant a an equipment... Any, right? a, a permanent, I guess. I think they yeah, can. they're an enchant permanent. Yeah. They can enchant anything. Yeah, you but can if they give enchant... you a saga death touch. You did it. <laughs> if they enchant an equipment, the equipment will give the thing to the thing it equips. I Okay, whatever. Yeah, they none of the runes seem like standard playable to me, which makes me think that this card is also not standard playable. I, I have two things, but I'll give you a chance to do it first. I mean, the the big why was, you know, my first thought with this card, right? That's all I got. Big Bird's all I got. <laughs> okay, okay. Big Bird. Yorian? Yes. You're, you're going to take the Yorian away from me? Yeah. So um, with the Yorian, <laughs> you can blink the Runeforge Champion to go fetch another rune, and you can blink the you rune blink that it fetched runes. the first time. Right, exactly. Yep, which draws another card. Yeah. So that's that's cool. Don't care who you are, that's cool. Uh, the the problem is, though, that like all of the other random stuff that you blink with Yorian is like... I, I mean, okay, I guess people have blinked golden eggs, which don't really do much more for you than a rune, but like, I'd much rather be blinking an omen of the sea, or, you know what I mean? Something there aren't else. a lot of cards you can blink to draw to effective draw two. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, 
Also, you can give Trample or Death Touch or Haste to your Yorian. Giving Lifelink to your Yorian is pretty sweet, to be honest. <laughs> okay, and that is the white one, isn't it? Yes. So that plays uh, also, pretty well. I'm going to throw this madness out there. Um, you can target your Treacherous Blessing to blow it up with a rune. You don't get to draw the card, but sometimes you just got to get rid of that Treacherous Blessing. Ah, that's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. It, wait, Treacherous Blessing is a spell or ability, right? I'm pretty sure it I is. I think so. Yeah, it's either yeah, one, Yeah, I right? think so. I think so. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of That's why, cool. like, you can't feed the swarm your own enchantment. Yeah. Unfortunately, you don't get to draw the card when you do that, but, you know, if it saves you from dying. Yeah, sometimes you gotta be alive, man. Sometimes <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta prioritize when you're casting Treacherous Blessing. Usually you have enough cards at that point, and you need to not die. What's the blue one flying, I, yeah, I assume? Yeah, I think it is flying, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what about these and Goldspan Dragon? I think Goldspan Dragon is going to be the next Yorian, right? Where we're just trying to like Shanghai it into every deck because it's just I, I, you know, sneak preview, y'all. Goldspan Dragon is a good card, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you can throw Trample on it with the green one, and it makes another treasure, and you draw a card. And if you have another rune, you can throw Lifelink on it with the white one and make another treasure and draw a card. And it... Death Touch is good. Go on, yeah. Go on with your bad self, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gold Span Dragon is a hell of a drug, man. It really is. And this is a dwarf, so you can play it in your Boros deck <gasps> with Magda. We really did it. Oh, we Magda really did does it. something. Good lord. How did how did this happen? <laughs> oh my gosh. Alright, well, I I think we're both taking the under on this card, but I could see it show off in one of your videos eventually. Oh, oh, it's getting played. I just don't think it's going to break it into the MPL. You know what I mean? And that's a, a good quick side note. When we say a card is probably not going to get played, we usually think about the scene that we watch, which is usually in competitive magic. It doesn't mean you're not going to get God on the ladder. There's a lot of cards that are never going to get played at the MPL and competitive tournament level that are going to get people on ladder. Oh, yeah. I mean... Like, every card we've read on this row so far probably fits that description. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah. If if CGB and I are having fun talking about a card, it's not necessarily because we <laughs> think it's going to be any good in competitive magic. But we do show up for that F, the F-bomb, which is why we're here. And you should too. So if you like Runeforge Champion, just you just go right ahead. All right. Um, now we're into all of the art. Re Ooh, okay. Release of the Kraken. We have Icebreaker Kraken. 10 generic mana and 2 blue. So for the small price of CMC12, you too can own a snow creature Kraken. It is an 8-8 eight, eight at rare. So that's, that's a pretty unimpressive stat line considering what we're paying for it. But wait, there's more. The spell costs one less to cast for each snow land you control. When Icebreaker Kraken enters the battlefield, artifacts and creatures target opponent controls don't untap during that player's next untap step. And you can return three snow lands you control to their owner's hand uh, as many times as you like and return Icebreaker Kraken to its owner's hand. So uh, would you say that uh, Emrakul, the promised end, has returned, CGV? <laughs> Back in my day, I remember being a very new Magic player. And I wanted to know what the largest creature 
in Magic the Gathering was. So, a friend of mine showed me something that I couldn't get my hands on from the dark called Leviathan, which was a 10-10 that had a drawback, like you had to sacrifice islands to untap it. And then when Ice Age came out, the Polar Kraken was 11 mana, 3 blue and 8 generic for an 11-11. Trample, Trample. Yeah. Yep, trample. Entered the battlefield tapped with a cumulative upkeep of sacrifice a land. And if you don't know what a cumulative upkeep is, first you sacrificed one land. Then the next turn on your upkeep, you had to sacrifice two. And the next turn on your upkeep, you had to sacrifice three. And so on. Uh, So those were the drawbacks we had on our Krakens back in my day. So when I look at this... Power creep is so real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, this is a decent kraken, I suppose. It's oh, dude, it's kraken. It's kraken, it definitely so, kraken. All right, so here's the deal, right? If you if every land in your deck is a snow land, you can cast this on six. You know, six mana, eight eight, with a couple of potentially relevant abilities. Uh, okay, just like right off the dome, how does this card for you? compare with the uh, cyclone summoner (laughs) (laughs) well they have something in common they're both going to be in my bulk rare bin that i give away to my friends and little kids at the library (laughs) (laughs) okay 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 cyclone summoner bounces everything the problem with the kraken is you have to take the hits and the creatures have to be tapped and then the kraken gets them to not untap but yeah i mean if the opponent has questing beast or anything else with vigilance or jorn snow to untap stuff you're really out of luck pretty, pretty uh, dumb. in that department Could, would yeah. this card have been so very bad if it was just all permanents didn't untap yes. starting that play as next yeah, yeah you stuff? can't do that no do, no don't do that 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 keeps the opponent from playing magic i mean it's a 12 don't drop. do that no it's not it's a six <laughs> drop at, I suppose. At, at, and it can be better than that, right? Yeah. One less for each snow land you control, you can ramp into it. So I suppose. No, no, don't don't Elder Deep Fiend plus plus people, please. Yeah, maybe it could have just been Elder Deep Fiend, right? You choose for permanence. How how bad would that have been? I think if it tapped their creatures and artifacts, that would be a good start. Yeah. Because yeah. in its current form, I think there's too many fail cases. Right. Also, the bouncing three lands to bounce it doesn't it's not I, not what we want to be doing, man. No, not really. Um, I, I don't think that this is a very playable card. Maybe with Azusa Lost But Seeking, somebody's going to make a pretty crazy brew, right? Okay. To keep putting the lands back onto the battlefield. I see what you did there. So that they can just keep playing this over and over. Yeah, right? but you're right. That's It's only good against a particular kind of deck. And yeah, I, I think that's the joke here, right? Is that the, the idea is that we're supposed to be doing this multiple times. But I agree, it's just the cost, even with Azusa, the cost is just kind of absurd. I, I'm having trouble reading it on your screen share. What's the name of the artist? Oh, it's, uh, I don't know what the first name is, but the last name is Cold, which is amazing. Might be Chris Cold? Chris Cold, yeah. Made the Icebreaker Kraken? <laughs> That's pretty epic. <laughs> just Ice yeah let's uh let's break. just roll with that that's awesome yep yep <laughs> all right 10 out of 10 art choice love it it is chris cold chris cold has 
actually made five cards, but this this is the only one with ice in the title and must be by far his uh, greatest achievement flavor-wise. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the magnum opus. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't read your spoiler card. Go for it. I've already read you, it. You've already read this card a million <laughs> times. All right. Find the monster. This also has really sweet art, by the way. Uh, one blue mana for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature when bind the monster enters the battlefield. Tap enchanted creature. It deals damage to you equal to its power. And it does not untap during its controller's untap step. So I'm sure that you're just super thrilled to start throwing this in all your blue control decks, right, CGB? No. <laughs> Let me rephrase the question. Is there any possible constructed deck you might ever put this in? Dude, when you combine this... With Icebreaker Kraken, you just never let them untap their stuff? It never just untaps. Just lock it in? It's amazing. We're just done here. Yeah, it's amazing. No, I, I do have this in a few decks, um, but you have to think tempo. Yep. You have to be attacking your opponent because you don't want to take that damage and let them keep a body on the field unless you're killing them. This is not a long game card. No, it sure isn't. And again, like cards like Jon Snow make this really embarrassing. So yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> but like I do have this in a mono blue deck that uses Ascendant Spirit, for example. You know, just going for that tempo. That's it. Like this, this is the kind of card you reach for specifically in a mono blue deck that just like wants to get her done. Or I think Simic can do it because you know that also doesn't always have the best cheap removal. So. Those are the ideas I have. How do you feel if you like your opponent goes turn one Gilded Goose and you go turn one Bind the Monster? <laughs> I mean, I, that's kind of gas, I, right? I've probably felt better, but I'm not sure how. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's pretty. I, I'd feel pretty smug if I did that. So, and how bad do you feel when you're looking at it and the opponent has Rune Crab? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, at least yeah. we tapped a blocker, bro. At least we tapped a blocker. Still getting milled, bro. <laughs> it's not good. It it does. It is immortal. It's right there on Skyfall. Covert go blue revealed. Bind the oh, monster. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yep. It's right so there. there. You go. We Look will never that. forget. What happens if you click that? That that link. My name. What happens if you click it? My Twitter. Look at that. It goes straight to your tweet, baby. Mmm. Tasty. Mm-hmm. You really, Tasty. you really are immortalized, CGB. I guess so. From now on, mages will they will associate common draft cards with you, Kovaco Blue. Boo! Is that the set? I think we, we did just, it. I think we just finished the set. We finished the set. It's over. It's well, over. It's, it's oh my done. Gosh. The ring has been destroyed, and the fires where it was rot. CGB can finally get let back into the basement where I keep him with his arena set up and his bowl of water and his crust of bread. <laughs> I can't remember the taste of strawberries, Sam. <laughs> I've been reading cards too long. <laughs> Quiet, Kerr. All right. <laughs> so, so there we go. Um, is, do you feel like your goatee is sufficiently waxed? from this uh this must be an english <laughs> saying because i really don't know where that's coming from but uh i i think this set is really good there are a lot of build around cards and cards i'm excited to play with nearly every three mana double-sided god 
is something I want to build with. And there's just a lot of other stuff going on. Not only that, there's a lot for Commander that I don't think will break Constructed. And there's a lot for uh, Constructed that I don't think will mess with Commander. I don't think there's another Omnath, but In Search of Greatness is like the card that I most have my eye on. Is I don't think there's another Uro, but I think Kazima is going to get really repetitive for some people. I've, I've got my eye on Kazima for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, I already made a video with my top 10 cards of the set. So I'm ready to roll with that on YouTube at some point. Do you have any like hot, like, do you have some favorites, like just some ones you want to put up there right now is that's what I'm going to do when the set comes out? So, yeah, I mean, first things first, I am 100% trying to build the Goldspan Dragon deck in some form. That card's just, I fell in love with it the moment I laid eyes on its August wings, its gentle <laughs> golden complexion, and I hope to ride that dragon into the sunset. So I'm super high on that card. Um, I Kasima I like a lot. Be very very surprised if that doesn't end up being a good card in standard. My my little jank boner is definitely raging for the world tree. So I consider me a, a world tree um, dreamer. I'm a dreamer. Okay okay. You know I it it kind of tracks right. I was like a shrines dreamer last time. So now I'm a world tree dreamer. It's kind of the same meme essentially and then what what else is happening for me here let's see if there's any, anything else do you think that doom scar is going to ruin any of all that like any of my stuff yeah i i don't know I, at the moment i'm just excited for doom scar i don't know if in like four months or whatever i'm just going to be like oh god another doom scar i don't know i don't know i think you're one of the mages who likes quirky value engines and you're not the type of person to fold to a wrath yeah. yeah, that's true. I've also I've played enough like mono green aggro that I just feel like, you know, they they've given us some insulation against cards like that, right? In this set, like we've got the troll for example, which is mm -hmm. like one of the few cards you can just slot into your deck and not have to feel terrible about the doomscar. Nice doomscar. You ramped me right into the uh Vorinclex or Vivian right? or whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. So so you know, we got the tools, man. We got the oh, you know, you can play your Kasima and dodge it. So I, I feel like we have things to do. I feel like we have things to do. I have to say, one of the things I'm a little bit disappointed about with this set is that there's like a lot of tribal stuff in this set, and none of it seems particularly self-contained. Like, do we really have the elves? right now i don't know i yeah you know like and we clearly don't have the berserkers i don't know and i don't know that we have the angels i'm really glad that the tribal thing is like kind of a sideshow here instead of the whole set like in ixalan because in ixalan the whole set was tribal and none of it got there so the whole set was a bust for the most part and here the tribal thing is kind of the sideshow and there's a lot of Really great cards that have nothing to do with the tribal stuff. So I, I think it's a good way to do it if you're going to do a tribal set because it's it's so hard to get tribal to the right place. You just there's no balanced place, right? It's either just flat busted, like freaking uh Arcbound Ravager or Fairies or you know, stuff yeah, like that. Or even like or the, the Ozov Vampires deck of more recent yeah. years, right? Yeah. Yep. That's a good example too. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. 
I just I'm I'm looking at like future sets in standard, and I feel like they're really gonna have to be watching those creature types because we have party stuff to live up to. We have like all of this set's tribal stuff to live up to. So it's just like a lot banking on that stuff. So yeah, unless that just exactly just putting more interesting stuff into Commander, I wonder. But I do, this is what I wonder is like, CGB, do you think that this is finally going to be the set that brings Commander to standard? What? How, in how, what do you mean by that? In what so way? I think that they tried to do it with Ikaria. Yeah with the companions and yeah. you know like shark typhoon is a very commando feeling kind of a card stuff like that and of course you know that didn't fly but i just wonder like as i'm looking at this set i'm having this feeling cards like john snow for example i just have this and like all of the all of the gods right stuff like the world tree i just have a feeling like they're still trying to edge into commander and they're still like okay we messed up last time we're gonna do it a little softer than we did it last time but i kind of feel like they're trying to push commander into other constructed formats and so i'm just wondering if if you feel that as well or if i'm just making that up I mean, I think that the Ikoria example was egregious. They they pretty much did try to turn standard into commander and they yep. broke everything, right? Yeah. Here, I I don't think that that's really the play anymore. I kind of see what you mean because now you can run four of these legends, these gods, right? And if and there's a lot of protection built in because if you play one side, you can play the other side, and it's not like you get punished for having that many legendaries. But I don't think that's really it. I think this I think this set has a pretty clear line of like here's a bunch of cards for commander and here's a bunch of cards for standard. All right. It's, yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it plays out cuz I just like my and and maybe I'm reading it wrong, but my feeling is that we might start to see play patterns in standard that just feel more commandery than they have in the past. So, it'll be interesting to check back in, you know, and see how all of this stuff ages. Well, now that I'm making time to play some commander on a weekly basis, I can let you know when my arena games start feeling anything like my commander games. Because <laughs> I can tell you right now, they don't feel anything alike. Not close. So just out of curiosity, CGB, if people want to check, like, I know that you're just just starting to make commander content. If people want to see that, where can they find it? So if you get a YouTube membership, I'm putting up my videos it's 4.99. You click the join button under my channel. I'm putting up my videos in sort of beta mode. I'm currently working on ways to share like commander deck techs and tell stories about the games that I play in and possibly gameplay someday. But I've got a lot to work on. It is absurdly hard to properly light paper magic cards. Mm. Without absurdly like hard. Them and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. in this case, I don't just want to put them on the screen like Scryfall. Um, because a lot of these are like foil, full art, like fancy, pantsy cards. So showing the bling is going to be part of the fun for me, quite frankly. And so I need to find a way to light those properly. I've made two videos. They're both currently available. One is public. It's called Covert Go Commander. The second one is currently not public. It's in members-only mode. I'm probably not going to make more until I can light it properly. But on the other hand, if you just want to follow along with my decks, I posted my latest deck that I played, uh, my Yorion Commander pile, to my patrons. So every patron gets to see my Commander deck the day before I play it. 
there you go. So uh, for any of you commander lovers, go follow up with CGB about that. Uh, I just, I already know that you're an excellent commander content creator, so I have full faith in your ability to deliver on that promise. Thanks, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks so much, y'all. We really enjoy doing this stuff. Thanks again to Bottle Brush Games for providing the, the uh, card images in our YouTube channel. Go check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Also subscribe to CGB's YouTube channel if you're the one person in the universe who hasn't done that yet. And yes, we will catch you on the frosty shores of Kaldheim. Later, CGB. Later. <laughs>